Peter was once part of the group who said to Jesus, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We know the Holy Spirit replaced fear with peace as he led him to write in his first epistle, Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. May the Holy Spirit replace our fears with the same peace of Jesus, with the truth of his care. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to start out today with a little quiz. So in Mark's report of Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee, when were the disciples most afraid? When were they most afraid? Was it when the storm raged and the winds filled their boat with water? Or was it when Jesus calmed the storm and set everything at peace? What do you think? The answer is the latter. Like a kindergarten teacher who claps her hands twice to silence a noisy classroom, Jesus speaks two words and the storm is obeyed. And I don't think he had to yell either. And that's when things got scary. Upon seeing Jesus exercise this total control and total authority over creation, Mark tells us that the disciples feared a great fear. In the Greek, it says that they uh, had a mega fear. Fear. You know, it's all around us. You know, think about things that we're afraid of. The, the kids listed a, a number of them. You have the, the regulars, the fear of heights or the fear of flying, fear of spiders, snakes. But there's also things like the fear of failure, fear of public speaking, fear of not getting accepted to a school, fear of underperforming at work. We also uh, face financial fears. Will we have enough to retire? Fear that medical bills will bury us or fear of taking on more debt. Other fears are social fears, fear of being alone, fear of losing face, fear of missing out. Then there's also the fears that we have for others, that our children won't, won't turn out right or that our parents are, are failing or that our spouse is uninterested. And today, being Father's Day, we realize that dads also suffer fears, maybe the fear of failing, afraid of being unable to provide enough, afraid they've neglected their children one too many times, Afraid they'll look back on life and be overcome with regrets. And some of these fears are truly legitimate fears. But think about what scares you the most in life. Of everything out there, what scares you the most? Take a minute to think about that. And while you think about what scares you the most, consider this. The problem may be that we are afraid of the wrong things. The problem might be that we're afraid of the wrong things. We look in our gospel text and we see that the disciples' fear on the lake that night was entirely legitimate. Think about it. Have you ever been out on a lake at night on a, with a boat with no power, no motor, no lights, no radio? 
And then a storm come up and no moon, stars, you got the, the strong winds blowing water into the boat, filling with water. If there was ever a time for fear, that would be it. And yet Jesus says to them in our text, why are you so afraid? And then he asks this stinging question. Have you still no faith? Have you still no trust? But Jesus didn't say it in this text, but his words from Matthew 10, verse 28, come to mind. Do you fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul? Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That storm was scary, yes. But the worst that storm could do would be to end their lives. Financial trouble is certainly scary. Family problems are scary. Heights and snakes, chemo, legal troubles, addictions and loneliness are all very scary. That is true. But there is something that's much more worthy of our fear than these. Standing face to face with the God who made the entire universe, the God who knows all things, who has the power over all things, who rebukes powerful storms, is ultimately the one true reason for being afraid. Encounters with this God in the Holy Scriptures rightly terrified Moses, David, Isaiah, Peter, and Paul. Even our Old Testament text with Job's time with God would be another example. Which reminds me of the disciples' question to Jesus in verse 38. Do you not care that we are perishing? That's a legitimate question, right? It's a question that I think it's safe to say all of us have asked God at one time or another. God, do you not care that we are perishing? God, do you not care that we're going through a pandemic? Do you not care that my loved one is dying? Do you not care that financial burdens are weighing me down? The list could go on and on and on. But we look in our, in our text today that Jesus' answer, given through the rebuking of the storm, was unmistakable. It was unmistakable. Yes, he cared. The one, the only one, who is truly worthy of our fear, shows that he cares for his disciples and he desires to save them. And really, not only them, but all who are perishing, including you and me. So with that in mind, the message today is very simple. Do not fear the wrong things. There is plenty in this world that can and will hurt us. And such things legitimately cause concern and spur us to seek help. But when compared to the one who reigns over all creation, they're entirely unworthy of our fear. The only one truly worth fearing has shown that he is willing and able to save us from perishing. He showed it to the disciples in our gospel text today, and he showed it to all of us in, through the cross and through the resurrection. His reign is absolute, and he cares for us, and he will save us. That is certainly good news.
But this good news doesn't magically relieve us of the many fears and anxieties that harass us today. God's promise in Christ is not a cure-all or a miracle drug, but it does provide this wonderful foundation from which to address all that makes us afraid. So what do we do with all those fears that remain? Well, in addition to seeking support from those who God has equipped to help, we bring those fears to the one who has all authority. The one who has authority over heaven and earth. We bring them to Christ. Storms, trials, suffering, challenges, opposition, they can come on suddenly. And they're inevitable. They will happen because life is full of sin. And they're unpredictable, literally without warning, without a script, and at the very opposite of our planning. And these storms and troubles in life, they're impartial. They happen to good people and bad people, believers and unbelievers alike. And storms don't mean that God doesn't care about you. They don't mean that God doesn't love you. They don't mean that God is paying you back for something that you did or didn't do. Remember the cross. And the cross alone is God's unmistakable evidence that he cares for you. There's no doubt about it. The cross settles that matter once and for all. And remember also, the storms that we face in life, they are temporal. They will come to an end. But God's love, it never ends. It's eternal for us. And so we turn to him. We turn to him in each and every need. I want to point your attention in the bulletin to our gospel text there. And next to it, there is a picture. And it's a picture of the painting uh, that Rembrandt painted of our gospel text today. Um, I read a little bit about the painting. that It said that it, it was Rembrandt's only seascape painting. It also apparently was stolen. The original was stolen in 1990. Probably by Nicolas Cage, but no one can prove that yet. <laughs> but there, there's something remarkable about this painting, and it's that we see Jesus there on the, on the bottom right. Um, you can see, it's, I know it's small, but you can see a little bit of light around his head there. He's sitting in the back of the boat. And, and one of the things to note about this painting is that while the, the wave is crashing up there on the left, fierce and, and storm, and all, these, all the other disciples there are, are um, working hard to, to battle that storm and get water out of the boat, the closer you get to Jesus, the calmer it gets. And I think that uh, was very intentional by Rembrandt to paint it that way. And it's a wonderful lesson that remains for us. That the closer we get to Jesus, the more calm it is, the more at peace we are. You know, a lot of times when we go through the storms of life, we question God. We say, just like the disciples, don't you care that we're perishing? And that tends to distance ourselves from God. When the real answer to the problems that we face is to draw closer to God. To draw closer to him in word and sacrament where we find true peace and comfort no matter what we're facing and no matter what we're going through in life. Because in Christ, and in Christ alone, the storms of our sin, the blustering wind of the devil's accusations are silenced. In him alone, we have the peace of our sins forgiven. 
the peace of his constant presence with us in the midst of every storm, and the peace of his promise of everlasting life. We know that truth that he is with us in the boat, in his church. He is with us, and his power is with us, hidden under things that look so weak. Mere water and words, bread and wine, and frail pastors to give these gifts. But don't mistake the appearance for the reality. For Christ, your Savior, is here for you, strong and powerful to give you his gifts. His word has the authority to do exactly what it says, to give his peace, to give his forgiveness, to give his love and grace. His word has that authority, and so we gather here around his word to hear it, to receive his gifts of word and sacrament. Christ is here for you, not to indict, but to strengthen you, to comfort you, to give you his peace, his perfect peace. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, is your faith weak and battered and storm-tossed? Then rejoice, for your Savior comes to you. He cares for you. And so come, bow your heads, bend your knees, open your mouths. Come and receive his gifts. Come and receive his forgiveness, life, and salvation, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Come and receive all that he is and all that he has for you. For he is here for you. Amen.